Welcome again. You're listening to American Dreamtime. I'm Robert Barham. And today we have a really special guest. I've been looking forward to our having a conversation today for months, actually. And uh, today we're going to be having a conversation with Dr. Norm Sheely. Norm, thanks for being here today. It's a pleasure. I like to talk about my work. <laughs> I do, too. I like to hear you talk about your work. Will you, uh, for the listeners, will you uh, share a bit about your, your background, your bio, so we know yes. who you are and why we're talking to you today? Yes, I am a neurosurgeon. Wanted to be that since I was 16 years of age. But when I was in my training, we were doing a procedure for chronic pain, which I call absolutely barbarian. Go to the operating room, remove the bone off a couple of layers of the spine, and then cut the front half of the spine cord with a piece of a razor blade. I like to say at least it was sterile. It did get rid of pain on the opposite side of the body about 90% of the time, but 10% of the time it paralyzed one leg, 10% of the time it paralyzed the bladder and the bowel. And of course, after eight years, the pain came back. It was not, well, I thought it was barbarian. And I spent three years after my training trying to find an alternative. How do you control pain without damaging the nervous system? In 1965, I came to the conclusion that electricity, simple, safe electrical current, could block pain messages from the anywhere in the body up to the brain. I introduced that at one of the big neurosurgical meetings, and the neurosurgeons that I was crazy at it, I was talking about it was all in animals. Well, two years later, when I'd done only six patients, every neurosurgeon in the room wanted to do the procedure. Wow. So and, now is that... Um, 1966. 66. Now, is that... Uh, what's referred to as a TENS device? Well, that, that was a spinal cord stimulation, but at the same time, I introduced the TENS device or the transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. That's on the surface of the body. And all of a sudden, I was being sent 400 people a year for the possible spinal cord stimulator, which is a surgical procedure. I turned down 94% of those people because they had had five unsuccessful operations they were on Percodan, they were on Valium. I wouldn't put a needle in them, let alone a knife. And so in 1971, I decided somebody's got to find out what to do with all these failures of conventional medicine. And I started the first pain rehabilitation center. And all of a sudden, I was thrust into working with people with all kinds of problems. Actually, after here we are almost 50 years later, I say every week on my own radio call-in show, I don't know any chronic disease for which I would accept medical treatment. Not one. I don't care if it's hypertension or pain or cancer. Because in acute illness, medicine's pretty good. But in chronic disease, it only poisons you, in my opinion. Almost never cures. So I have now worked with almost 34,000 patients who fail conventional medicine. And we treat everything that fails conventional medicine, whether it is depression or anxiety or pain. Actually, my favorite in the last couple of years is treating 10 long-term opioid addicts. They had never, since they became addicted, been able to get rid of their cravings and getting into trouble over and over again. But they are now over two and one half years, all 10 of them, free of narcotics, free of opioids, free of cravings, and back in normal life. Interestingly, 
the average opioid treatment center has a 17% success rate. They don't want to use my device because they get to treat people five times. I can do in one treatment what they do in five treatments. Wow. Could you, Dr. Shealy, would you go back just a moment and give a brief definition of chronic disease? Yes. Officially, chronic disease is six months or longer. It is six months. And what other uh, criteria? Well, it, it means that they have tried what everything medicine has to offer, which is usually drugs, sometimes surgery. But in chronic pain, it usually is the result of failure of the initial treatment and subsequent continuing treatment. So it, it's, it just didn't work in the first place and hasn't worked. I mean, I'm working right now, right, right down the hall here at my clinic, this lady with cancer of the pancreas. We're working with her because she has severe nerve damage in her hands and feet. They're almost totally numb, but hurt. Uh, because of chemotherapy, which didn't work at all on the cancer. And so that's what we do. Anybody who is comes in and doesn't want to consider continuing conventional medicine, that's what we work with almost exclusively. And you've been in, pra- in practice since uh, what year? Well, I finished medical school in 1956. I finished my neurosurgical residency in 1965. I see. Well, now, tell me a little bit more, if you will, about your your practice. Your practice is not um, traditional medicine. It's actually, uh, what should we call it, holistic medicine? That is true. In fact, I I created the American Holistic Medical Association in 1978. Holistic means we look at body, mind, soul. you got to look at the spiritual as well as the physical and the mental and the emotional. Well, now... What really did ultimately switch you from being a successful neurosurgeon to transitioning into holistic medicine? Well, it was a discovery that we could safely control pain by using TENS and spinal cord stimulation. Now, I don't think spinal cord stimulation is for the average pain patient, it's for the extremes. But for instance, this lady with the pancreatic cancer, had a pain when she walked in today. We, we asked people to grade their pain on a scale of zero to 10. She said hers is, it was a five. Well, now it's down to a one. After just two hours of um, using the TENS device in her case, interestingly, you don't have to put it all the way on or around the pain. In her case, we're putting it on the feet and the ankles, stimulating those Acupuncture points can relieve pain sometimes anywhere in the body. Where did you say on the feet and the ankles? Yeah, kidney one is the only acupuncture point on the sole of the feet, and bladder sixty is outside behind the ankle bone. K one is K one is like in the center at the ball of the foot, correct? Exactly between the between the big toe and the second toe, really. Wow. Now, um, why? Why do you use the term holistic in holistic medicine as opposed to alternative medicine or complementary medicine or integrative medicine? What's the distinction between the two? <laughs> I, my, my suspicion is that you feel that holistic is more complete, but what, what's the difference that makes the difference, as they say in NLP? 
Yeah, the, the word holistic was actually created in the 1920s by Jan Smuts, the prime minister of South Africa. He wrote a book, uh, Holism in Evolution. It was a magnificent, very scientific integration of everything. And basically, that never crept into medicine until I began using it in 1970, in the, in the 1970s. But to me, holistic means holy. It means looking at the whole person, not just W-H-O-L-E, but the holy part of life. Well, Interestingly, the AMA immediately rejected the idea, and soon it began to be called alternative and complementary, which is not bad, but eventually it began to be called integrative. The reason I don't like integrative is hospitals often claim to have an integrative department. They offer hot stone massage. That is not comprehensive. I'm not opposed to hot stone massage, but that's a teeny weeny piece. That's 1% of what's necessary. What are some of the the other um, modalities or methodologies or things that you offer as part of your holistic practice? So we can sort of get, get an idea of what is offered in addition to say the electrotherapy and the things you've mentioned prior to this? I would say spiritual counseling and a lot of intuitive information. I began working with what we now call medical intuitives back in 1972. And I investigated uh, a great spiritual healer, Olga Warhol. I visited her in 1972 as well. And I saw this woman come in with breast cancer coming through the skin. It disappeared within a month. Of Say that main. again? Say that again? A woman who came into Olga's church, the Mount Washington United Methodist Church in Baltimore. Olga Warhol just laid hands on her for two to three minutes. One month later, the cancer was gone. I have 15,000 letters from patients who were cured by that kind of spiritual healing. So we do, you know, look at the truly holy, if you will, and use a lot of intuition. Intuition to me is a, is creativity. All new ideas, there's a, somebody's sudden insight, unknowing, uh, often not the result of longstanding study, but just a, a hit that you get, an intuitive hit. Well, now, um, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I'm thinking of... Uh, a teacher that I studied under in the Los Angeles area named Master Master Zhou. And he is uh, a master of Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine, as well as uh, Qigong and some other things like that. And his assistant um, was, she apparently had a tumor on her face that was inoperable. And Master Zhou um, did uh, Qigong treatments on her regularly and uh, was able to help reduce the size of the tumor until it was operable and they removed it. And so it's remarkable what's possible. How much of the of the work that you do now in the, your holistic practice is uh, devoted to or apportioned to electrotherapy? Well, I would say about 40% involves one or more types of electrotherapy. We use um, scalar energy. We use the pulse electromagnetic frequency energy. We use TENS. We use transcranial stimulation. We use the RelaxMate for photostimulation and the Rejuva Matrix for regenerating telomeres. A lot of my work over the last eight to 10 years has to do with 
longevity. Telomeres are the tips of your DNA. If you have good health habits, your telomeres shrink 1% every year of life. If you've got unhealthy habits, they shrink a lot faster. That's why the average American dies at 78 instead of 100. I have three different techniques which have been proven over the past six or eight years to regrow your telomeres by 3.5% a year. But it, it's some level, that's my most important work because it's both health and longevity. Now, Dr. Sheely, for those who are listening and who are of a more uh, skeptical bent, um, the things that you're talking about, these different forms of treatment, um, what do you say, like say uh, telomere lengthening and things like that, what do you say to them when they say, well, where's the Where's the research? Where's the clinical studies? Where are the double-blind studies? Where are the, how do you respond to that? Well, I have done double-blind studies, and I have done published studies and, and presented them at major meetings, including the uh, Anti-Aging Congress. Um, I have over 350 published articles and 37 books, and uh, I do do that kind of study. Wow. Now, now, right now, I'm on a new telomere study, in our pilot study, we actually regrew the telomeres 8%. Whew. If I could do that, that's phenomenal. And that's like eight years of life. So I was, I was saying, if you could translate that, what does that mean? If one is on average losing what percentage of telomeres per year starting when? At birth, by the first year, you've already lost 1% in a healthy situation. So is that saying that by the age of 50, you've lost 50%? Yep, average is true. So then if you do the, the telomere treatment that, you're, that you are describing and receiving and uh, getting 8% results as a, as a patient, that is essentially like regaining eight years worth of youthfulness? That is correct. That's what you're saying? That is what I'm saying. And how does that show up in a person in their, in their body, mind, and spirit? How does that uh, manifest holistically? Well, it, it manifests as health and energy. You know, both... It's health and energy. The important thing is, in my own case, for instance, I was sort of average for my age uh, when I started with this, but I've regained over 12 to 14%. That means to me, I can live at least well past 100. I wrote a book in, in 2006 called Life Beyond 100, which I predicted the possibility of living 125 to 160. What, average. Do you, what's the current uh, age? 78. Uh, 70, is that average for male yeah. and female? Yeah. Well, women's about 81, and, and, um, and men is actually less than 78, but men, men don't live as long as women in general. Well, I better get busy. <laughs> so, now may I ask you how, what your age is currently? I'm 87 and a half. 87 and a half. But I feel 26 energetically every day of my life. I get up in the morning and I do two hours of moderate exercise. Two hours? Yeah. 50 minutes of that, I'm sweating. What, sorts of, uh, what sort of exercise uh, do you engage in? in well, I do, um, I do about 60 minutes of isometric exercise. You may not have ever heard of Charles Atlas, but when I was 12 I years old, sure I have heard of Charles <laughs> Atlas. I took up the Charles Atlas program at age 12. Did you really? Yeah. 
And I have always used that, but I've developed a total body isometric exercise program. So I'm against pressure. Every joint muscle tendon in the body is pushed for, well, almost a minute as hard as I can. Then I do 200 sit-ups. Then I do 100 backups on a Roman chair like that. Okay. Then I do 30 minutes on a vibratory machine where I'm moving my arms like this. The whole time I'm vibrating the whole body. Then I do uh, 10 minutes on a health rider, which has 50 pounds of weight on it. So I'm using my arms and legs with 50 pounds of weight. And then I do 10 minutes on a treadmill. Now, is that seven days a week? Seven days a week. Seven days a week. And with with that, by the way, Charles Atlas was, uh, I read comic books when I was a boy. I loved um the X-Men and also Iron Man and all those exactly. Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. And in the back of the comic books were the advertisements yes. for Charles Atlas. And for those of you who don't remember that, um, there is the classic uh, comic book scene where there was the 98 pound weakling who was attracted <laughs> to the girl and the, uh, the bodybuilder type who was sort of the bully um, rip, uh, threw sand in his face. And uh, so what he did is he found uh, the Charles Atlas advertisement, he ordered it, and it sent in something basically like a a correspondence course. And uh, I remember that I looked at that as a a boy for probably one, two, maybe three years before I finally mustered up the courage and the grit to be able to order it. And I remember getting it and being so excited, opening up and reading it and and it was around that time in my life, too, that, uh, I, gosh, by that time, I probably wasn't more than about 12 years old, maybe a little bit older than that, maybe right around then. I ended up meeting um, a guy who lived nearby, a big fella, very, very muscular and healthy, who took me to a gym for the first time. And um, I just thought that was wonderful. I got really interested in bodybuilding and and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Pumping Iron, Franco Colombo and all those things, even began to get interested in the arts of uh, Frank Frazetta and Boris Vallejo and whatnot. And I, I, to this day, I remember learning about, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the, uh, the bodybuilder. He was uh, Mr. Universe. Uh, and I can't remember his name at the moment, but he, my friend took me over to the gym and I got to see this guy work out. I've never seen such an enormous pair of of lats in my life he looked like he was like some sort of a flying squirrel with muscles and lats but that's remarkable so you exercise a couple of hours a day and uh, how long do you anticipate do you intend to to live well i hope and plan to live well past 100 now i have to say my great grandmother lived to be 102 and my great great grandfather lived to his late 90s that's on my mother's side of the family my father's side of the family, five out of six brothers all died between 48 and 54. They all smoked. Brother number six lived to be 80 because he didn't smoke. But that's the difference in just one health habit. But I believe that I will certainly live well past 100. Huh. Well, no. what is the role of a good doctor? What's the role of a good physician? To me, the good physician helps people. That's that's the only role any of us have. But I want to emphasize, I love what I do. I enjoy what I do. But the person who made this pen is just as important as I am. 
Uh-huh. Of course, the painting this room is just as important because I'd be bored doing that and I wouldn't know what to do. But as long as you do anything that helps people, it's okay. And to me, that's what physicians do primarily. They help people who are in trouble. Well, now, um, before we get into, there's something I, I've, I've wanted to ask you about, but before we get that, there is more to a human being than the physical body. Oh, yes, of course. And what I wanted to ask you about are what are typically defined as subtle energies and or subtle bodies. Can you, will you describe that? Yes. Here's the way I like to describe it. Everyone has seen paintings of Christ and saints. Often it's with a white aura around them, sometimes with gold outline or all gold around them. Well, that is the human energy field. I happen to see the energy field around people. There's an electromagnetic field around our body, and it often tells me stuff about somebody. For instance, if I see brown or black or red, I know something's wrong. It should be just a light color or no color at all, but just a, like a, a, a heat wave coming off the pavement. And so that is the subtle energy body, if you will. Now, I have also studied a lot of metaphysics, and we have these energy centers in the body, which fit perfectly with the, the, the nervous system. There are seven chakras. The first chakra is your connection with the ground. That's the sciatic plexus. The second is the pelvic plexus. The third, even in medicine, is called the solar plexus. The heart, the heart or the cardiac plexus. The cervical spine, which is a huge container. The brain, of course, and the seventh chakra is in the connection with the soul. And about 30 years ago, I suddenly had an idea, maybe there are frequencies that affect these energy centers in our body, like the legs, which are in contact with the earth, should be roughly 7.83 cycles. That's the frequency of the earth itself. But uh, I also learned it well because we're not all clones. So even though this 7183 might be the, the center of it, it's plus or minus a couple of that. So eventually I decided to work with 5.83 to 7 times 7.83 plus 5. And that's the most important frequency distribution for the body and mind as a whole. And that is my pulse electromagnetic frequency device, which puts the brain into gamma. And gamma is sometimes called in the zone. It's not just happiness. It's being totally at peace. Who cares? And to me, that's a very important state. People with every known illness do not produce significant gamma in the brain. By restoring gamma, we can help heal everything. So now when you're talking about gamma, because I want to back up for just a little bit here, that was a lot of lot of information. When you're talking about gamma, you're talking about brainwave activity, is that correct? Exactly. So if I if I'm remembering the numbers correctly, we typically are in the waking state in beta. That is correct. Predominance that, of beta, which is about uh, 13, 13, thirteen to to 30. the to the well, when it gets into upper twenties, actually it's anxiety. So okay. learning is it mostly from 13 to about 22 or 3? All right. So that's the beta state. And then 
as one begins to relax, they move, drop into the alpha state, correct? That is correct. And then you go deeper in that into theta, which is the state where you have creativity. You have more daydreaming, if you will. If you go deeper, you get into delta, which is ready to go to sleep. So the and the 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 uh, alpha state is a range of approximately uh, eight to thirteen somewhere yeah, in there eight to thirteen eight to cycles per second eight to twelve yeah. cycles per second theta is approximately four to seven, seven correct cycles per second or hertz and right. then delta is from about what one half one to three one to three cycles per second yeah and um, now I have heard about other possible wavelengths before we get to gamma like epsilon and things like that. Are you familiar with those as well? Yeah, they're not uh, nearly as, as studied or reproducible as the the basic ones that go from uh, delta to gamma. So now within that, where does gamma fall? Gamma is officially anything above 30, but the ideal is 40. 40 is the peak of that in the zone state. It was first major discovered in Buddhist monks who meditated like eight hours a day for years. But um, putting the brain into gamma does put people in a state of detachment. Well, now when one is um, uh, actually their brain is producing uh, gamma frequencies, is that localized or focalized in any portion of the brain, say the, the prefrontal cortex or the the parietal lobes or that sort of thing? It can be in any lobe or it can be in the brain as a whole. When it's in the brain as a whole, that is when you're really there. Who cares? And this is something that the, the, the pulsed electromagnetic field device can facilitate. Exactly. And is that something also that, uh, say, it can habituate or condition? Yes. If it, one is to use the device, let's say, while they're meditating, would they be able to use it like, uh, I know you've been to the Monroe Institute, but would it act a little bit like training wheels so they could? Absolutely. It assists the process. It makes it easier. Now, if the role of, of, of a good physician is to help, um, and we're talking about these subtle energies and subtle bodies, the you what you say is you, you see the electromagnetic field if someone were to ask you, well, you see this with your physical eyes, are you seeing this with what they call second sight? Um, how is it that you're seeing the colors that exist? It, it's where you're perceiving them are, is what, around the body? Yes, it's around. It, it, you, you've seen heat waves coming off the pavement or off your car. Well, that's what it looks like to me. And a healthy person, it, it's just this kind of wavy, grayish looking stuff. And... Um, now, are you? Would you say that you're seeing that with your physical eyes and your second sight? Your second sight, with with what uh, capacity or sensory modality? Well, I see it with my physical eyes, but also then that leads me into sort of intuitive hit. I see. And now, this the subtle energy itself is it electromagnetic or is it something else? I think it's electromagnetic. I, I only believe it is these frequencies. Um, coming off the body, you know, electricity creates magnetism. Uh -huh. So when they're when uh, in these practices like qigong, qigong, uh, tai chi, things like that, and they talk about the facilitation of of chi energy, do you believe that that chi is actually electromagnetic energy or something other than that? Well, I think there's 
it manifests physically as electromagnetic. But to me, there is some other energy that I don't fully understand. It comes from God and the soul. In other words, life is not just electromagnetic. It so, is right. So spirit, you're saying that spirit and soul are not electromagnetically based. You feel that they're they're that spirit and soul are are operating uh, at a higher level beyond electromagnetic the electromagnetic spectrum. Yes. Is there? Um, I know with what we're talking about. Do you? What's the value or the role of conventional medicine? Well, again, conventional medicine is to give you advice for good, healthy habits and activities and nutrition and in acute illness to help you overcome it. You know, if you've got a, a strep throat, antibiotics are the treatment of choice. If you've got a fractured leg, an orthopedist taking care of it is the cheap treatment of choice. If you've got appendicitis, although some people treat it with antibiotics, I prefer to take it out. Um, I think it's safer in the long run than not continue to have antibiotics. But so the, the role of medicine is to take care of acute changes in health. And what is, what is uh, the role of, let's say, psychiatry or psychology? Well, it's fair. <laughs> to be quite honest, my greatest trouble since medical school was even believing in psychiatrists. I... I would say I consider 99% of psychiatrists crazier than any patient I've ever met. <laughs> okay. Now, does that hold to for psychology as well? Psychology is a little bit better, but a lot of it is um, not very focused. They don't, they spend too much time in not getting at the emotional and the spiritual problems. You know, so how do you address, because to me, the um, things like beliefs, values, um, thoughts, mind, emotions, those typically are things that do get handled in the field of psychology or, or, other, or other areas. How do you address that in your practice? Well, I actually have a PhD in psychology, in transpersonal psychology. Oh, ah, okay. It's a much better form of psychology. The transpersonal field being originally by Abraham Maslow and, so, and Associates, is to me the good psychology. And um, what's the difference between, say, traditional psychology and transpersonal psychology? What's the, what's the, the addition to? The addition is looking at the soul, looking at the spirit, looking at the connection with the divine. So I, if I'm hearing you correctly, you are a believer in the soul, you're a believer in spirit, you're a believer in God, and one of the things that you gave me was a copy of a book that you wrote called Conversations with G. And um, I have actually been reading that for the past week. And the subtitle of that book is A Physician's Encounter with Heaven. So um, who, is the big question, is G? G is a teacher guide, an angelic guide that I met in 1984. And um, what... What, can you tell me about that that meeting? Well, the first connection was one night in December of 1984. Ordinarily, I go to bed and I'm, I'm out for eight or nine hours. I woke up at midnight and I was hearing 18 different voices and they were trying to tell me something. 
And that's when I met my personal angel, Muriel. All of us have a personal angel at birth. And did you say Uriel? My yeah, my personal angel is named Muriel. And to me, your personal angel is a guide, a conscience, a constant person trying to keep you from getting in trouble. <laughs> and then uh, about that same time, I met G. Out of the blue, a different male-sounding voice came, and he just said, "He's my teacher," and he knew more about me than I did. <laughs> So what now? Do you feel that uh, the G is actually a separate being? Correct. Yes, separate a separate angel. angel. Not an aspect of you or an expanded aspect no. of you. G is actually yes. a separate, separate being. A teacher angel. A teacher angel. And what uh, what sorts of things have occurred with G? How long ago was this that you first had this encounter? Eighty-four, so well over thirty-five years. And basically, he, it's philosophy, among other things. I mean, you know, we've just, I've got hundreds of pages of notes that I've taken. And, um, but he has actually given me inventions. I have four patents that came from my conversations with G. What, uh, what inventions are those? Well, in 1995, out of the blue, he said something like, Norman, there's a kind of energy I want you to study. And it involves circuits in the body. You know acupuncture. Well, these are acupuncture circuits. I want you to study fire energy. And he told me where the points to stimulate fire energy would be. And interestingly, he gave me these acupuncture points, I've studied acupuncture since the 1950s, which would be very similar to in conventional uh, acupuncture, something called the Chung Mo. Chung Mo? Chung Mo, C-H-O-N-G-M-O. Um, and, um, but when you stimulate these points, I learned that it raised DHEA, the anti-stress hormone, the most important hormone in the body, in my opinion. And ordinarily, for instance, we peak in making DHEA at age 25. By age 40, most people have lost at least 10% or more. By age 80, the average person has lost 90% of what they had at age 25. Wow. Okay. Now, my DHEA, the last time I checked it, which was about a year ago, is that of a healthy 30-year-old. I don't take it. I make it. And I have four different discoveries that help you increase your own manufacturing in your body of DHEA. And I've reproduced that in scores of people. So that was the first one. What, the second, uh, Dr. Shealy, what are some of the functions or things that DHEA does for, for you? Okay, when you have any kind of stress reaction, the adrenal glands put out adrenaline and they put out cortisone to try to bring things under control. But if you get too much cortisone, that can damage stuff. So it puts out DHEA to bring it back into balance. But because most of us produce so much cortisone, the DHEA keeps going down and down and down. You see. And um, in fact, my average patient has a DHEA 
less than half of the optimal level. I see. Okay. The, so I have four different techniques for restoring that naturally. One of those is stimulating the ring of fire. Now, originally I did it with electricity because that's one of my primary things. But in 2011, I suddenly had, yeah, it does take a lot of time. You know, it can take you up to 30 minutes to stimulate a ring of fire with electricity. So I decided to make mixture of essential oils. And all of a sudden, I produced a mixture, which when I tested it, just takes you about 30 seconds to put it on, raised DHA just as well as electricity. So then I found one for raising oxytocin. That's the ring of air. Again, I can do that with electricity, but it takes 30 minutes. Well, with the what I call bliss, air bliss, putting that on, it takes 30 seconds. And then I discovered the ring of water. Well, he gave me the concept of the ring of water. Ring of water balances aldosterone, the hormone that regulates water and potassium. And then the ring of earth, which regulates calcitonin, the hormone that your thyroid gland makes to keep your bones strong. And finally, the ring of crystal, which reduces free radicals a whopping 80%. Wow. I know nothing else that reduces free radicals 80%. Now, what is it about the essential oils? Like, uh, can you mention a few of the particular oils? Like, is it uh, lavender or? Well, each one is very specific. Now, that's where intuition comes in. He doesn't give me the oils. I have to sit there and say, okay, what would work? And then I just pick out the words and I write them down. And then I test them. And so each one of them has five to eight different oils. And what's happening with the, what, how is it that the oils are, are facilitating this healing so rapidly? What are they doing? Well, they go through the skin. They actually are slightly stimulating to, and acupuncture was very tiny. You know what I mean? It, it's like a pencil point or less. But when you put a drop of oil on that point, it actually activates that, in my opinion, just as well as, um, as does a needle. Huh. A lot quicker. Okay. I mean, for instance, when I put on um, the Fire Bliss, I've tested many people where 30 minutes later, we could see a rise already in DHEA. When I put on Air Bliss, 30 minutes later, we could see a change in oxytocin. Well, now, if, if with to go back for a moment to the pulsed electromagnetic field device. Yes. What does it do that really just cannot be done with drugs? I well, mean, it's, that the, drugs, the drugs have side effects. It, the PMF, PEMF does not have negative side effects or adverse side effects, correct? As far as I can tell, I've seen no negative effects from it. Let me give you my favorite case. Okay. It is a man who was roughly in his 60s who had the most advanced Parkinsonism I've ever seen. He was brought in in a wheelchair with two people holding him. He couldn't put his legs on the floor. One month later, he walked 40 feet into the clinic from using the pimp device on his head two hours a day. Wow. I had another woman who had early but definite memory loss, presumably something like Alzheimer's. When I first started with her, she could tell me the day, the day of the week. One month later, she could tell you the season, the dates, the time, and everything. So it can restore normal functioning of the brain. But actually, it all started about almost 10 years ago when I first started working with 
pulse electromagnetic frequency to treat diabetic neuropathy. Diabetic neuropathy is loss of sensation, mostly in the feet. It can be anywhere. But the feet begin to lose their ability to feel, and they, they hurt. And um, so I was working with a young man. I, I did an early study on pulse electromagnetic treatment of the feet. I had this young man. I was giving him a pimp treatment. And all of a sudden he sat up and I said, what's going on? He said, I feel as if my feet are moving. Oh. And the temperature of his feet increased over seven degrees. So it increases circulation. I see. All PEMF does that. Uh, so now, what is the, what, now let's say, what's the, when circulation is increased, most of us probably assume that that's good. But what are the cascading things that happen as a result of circulation increasing the other benefits like for example one thing i do know is that you're going to get more blood to different parts of your body more oxygen more nutrients um the reduction or elimination of, of toxins things like that what are some of the other things well actually interestingly a normal healthy cell has a minus 70 millivolt charge on it when the cell is not working well the charge may be minus 50 those cells are hyperactive. This restores the minus 70 millivolt charge on nerve cells. Way back in, in 1961, I spent a, nine months working with Sir John Eccles in neurophysiology and the plasticity of the nervous system, the ability of the nervous system to grow new neurons, to change. Every cell in your body is actually replaced in a maximum of seven years. In other words, if you're 49 years of age, your cells have been replaced seven times already. Yeah. Now, the skin much faster than that, some of the blood almost faster than that, but the brain is seven years. And by having a healthy nutrient, if you will, an electrical system, when the cells go to reproduce, you get a healthy cell. But now you mentioned medical intuitives, like you yourself can see, um, like a medical intuitive can see. Do you have intuitives that are on staff? Yes, we actually do have a man who both sees the emotional turmoil, if you will, that created the problem, but also is a spiritual healer. Most most medical intuitives just they just see. A Chris, for instance, can do healing as well as Olga Warhol did, the great healer. Most now, healers. When you say he can do healing as well, what, what specifically uh, is going on, is getting accomplished? No, no different from Olga Warhol. Who just, all, all Olga ever did was she put her hands on your head or your, your shoulders and just wait for God's energy. Chris does it more like Reiki, uh, you know, with not touching necessarily as much as sending energy. I have 216 EEGs done on patients here in Springfield, Missouri, from healers outside the room up to 1,000 miles away, sending energy to change the EEG and affect the patient. And I can actually stand outside this room and change somebody's EEG. I don't consider myself a healer, but that's what thought can do. Now, that relates to empty space. According to quantum physicists, 
all empty space in the entire universe is filled with something called scalar energy. And according to physicists, in empty space, the size of a helium molecule, which is smaller than that, is enough energy to boil the ocean if it is properly channeled. To me, that is the physical energetic manifestation of God's power. And so I've also worked with what I call adrenoscalar energy, focusing that scalar energy in order to reduce inflammation. Now, with when you say that the these different the medical intuitives, this is uh, you would this is in the domain of the transpersonal, which would include uh, psychic gifts, psychic ability. Correct. Of course, that is that is true. The first medical intuitive I met was Henry Rucker. I heard about him in 1972, December 19th. I flew to Chicago to meet Henry. I walked in and he said, I've been waiting 10 years for you. My teacher told me you would come. Henry knew more about me than I did. Henry was a black psychic from the city of Chicago and the best one-on-one counselor I've ever known in my life. He was better than all the psychiatrists and psychologists in the world at helping people. An hour with Henry was, was better than a year with anybody else. So Henry became an actual therapist at my clinic for many, until he passed away. And Henry uh, could walk by the, walk by, just walk by the door and say, oh, and tell me what the diagnosis was. He was only about 75% accurate with a medical diagnosis. But with healing. Only about 75%. <laughs> well, the average physician, physician is about 80% accurate after a first visit. The average physician? Yeah. And this is, you mean, in the sense of a conventional physician? A conventional physician is about 80% accurate with their initial exam, history, et cetera. So so without doing an examination, he could walk by and almost get the same results as what you're saying. Exactly. I think about 5%. Well, well, one question that comes to mind for me, and uh, for those who are are just tuning in now or um, have been listening just for a bit, I am Robert Barham. This is American Dream Time, the Robert Barham Show. And today we're having a conversation with uh, Dr. Norm Shealy and possibly with G as well. Uh, and we're talking about holistic medicine and all that it entails. Um, you mentioned something about Reiki as a form of uh, uh, healing treatment or medical treatment. Can you uh, share a little bit about your understanding of Reiki and how it functions? Well, Reiki... In general, the, the therapist stands and sends energy to a specific part of the body. They have specific t- techniques that they use. Um, and it, it's just, to me, one form of what I call spiritual healing. It is a thought transfer to the patient. A thought transfer. Well, now, with all the, the energy transference and thought transference and emotional work and these sorts of things, is there something that uh, can someone do ill or harm or damage to another person with an intention that is, say, the opposite to, to harm someone. Like what you're expressing to me right now is that with an intention and an ability that one can facilitate healing in another person and that they can influence that person in a positive way, in a healing way. Can the opposite be done? Yes, that is evil. To me, that is 
that is Lucifer at work. And um, is that something that is equally as able to be done or is it less powerful or is it, do you in, know? What's your... In general, it's, it's less, in general, evil people spend their focus more on individuals than they do looking at the broad picture. And I, I don't fortunately have enough experience with that kind of person. I have met a few pretty sick people, but they don't come to me as a patient. Now, um, I'm curious also about, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about this. The medical intuitives, do they find that they receive benefit by engaging in their work with the clients? I mean, do they receive anything like uh, healing or do they feel better or do they become tired and exhausted? What, how does that it, work for them? Is it can it go either way. If they overdo it, they can actually exhaust themselves. Uh-huh. You know, and so they have to be careful because it obviously is a, well, it, it, it takes a lot of total physical energy to focus in that particular way. Olga Warhol, for instance, uh, I knew for the, well, from 1972 to 1984 or five when she passed away. And in her last days, she was pretty weak. But that she. Olga was one of the medical intuitives that you worked with. Yes, she was a spiritual healer, actually. Spiritual healer. She worked in Mount Washington United Methodist Church in Baltimore for 35 years. Every Thursday morning at 10 or 10.30, 300 people crowded in this little church for the laying on of hands. But um, I, I wanted to ask you, where did you go to, uh, to school for your degree in transpersonal psychology? Saybrook. Saybrook Institute or yes. Saybrook University? Yes. And when did you finish uh, school there? 1977. 77. Wow. Okay. And what do you see um, as some of the reasons why, because I can tell you uh, in my experience of going to the hospital or seeing other medical doctors, I don't know that I've ever been to a clinic or facility where there were were as many um, forms of healing that were offered as what we're discussing here today. What is it, in your opinion, uh, why that occurs or doesn't occur in other places? I believe it's become what I call the pharmacomafia now controls medicine. The average medical student coming in in the first year, 30% are very interested in holistic medicine. By the time they finish four years of medical school, it's down to 10%. By the time they finish their postgraduate residency training, it's down to 1% or less. They are brainwashed from day one in the use of drugs, 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 drugs. I see. So it's a kind of, you you see it as a sort of conditioning process? Exactly. Have you had um, students or doctors come to you who say that I'm interested in in your work and following the path that you follow? Oh, yes. Transcending the conventional medicine? Over the the last 40 years, I've had perhaps... uh, at least 40 opinions, yeah, maybe one a year average. Uh-huh. And now, holistic medicine is not done, right? It's not finished. It's not complete. That is correct. We are all continuing to, to grow and to evolve, as, as is holistic medicine. 
And you've told me that you, for example, in your conversations with G, that you've received four, four inventions. What do you see as your future as a doctor? Well, I'm the continuing. Future of holistic medicine. I mean, right now, for instance, I'm, we're working with a number of patients, but we often have somebody who comes for a whole week of intensive work, eight hours a day. That person gets to see both of the physicians and all of the people on our staff, and we essentially train them in stuff to continue doing at home. So I plan on continuing to do that as long as I can. But my biggest research project actually at the moment is another way of regenerating telomeres. I'm working with some very special patches to stimulate acupuncture points instead of oils. And putting those on just two different acupuncture points appears in our initial study to regrow the telomeres by 8%. If that holds up, that's the greatest thing I've ever discovered because that has the greatest potential for reversing. You know, the more you can regrow your telomeres, the more you can reverse unfinished other stuff. That's the, that's the, the future for your work? Well, that'll take me through October. <laughs> and beyond that, uh, I'm, I'm curious, what do you see as um, do you, the kinds of changes that you see for holistic medicine in addition to that? What other well, sorts of I think the broad, Yeah, the broad picture of developing new non-drug safe techniques for healing. I think there are other things that electricity and acupuncture stimulation, uh, there are possibly other psychotherapeutic tools that can work as well. Dr. Shealy, um, I want to thank you for uh, this conversation today. And I'd like to ask you just a few more questions before we wrap up. I noticed that we're coming up on our time. The, the first thing that I'd like to ask you, is there anything that you haven't shared so far that you'd like to share today with our listeners um, for their own health and well-being? Yes, I'd like to share one of the most common problems in the world, low back pain. At least a significant portion of people who have chronic low back pain have a rotation of the sacrum. The sacrum is cattywampus, if you will. I learned that in 1982 when I had one. A young osteopathic physician corrected it. And since that time, I've seen literally hundreds of people with a sacral shear. I had a consultation on the phone today with someone. I said, you mean, the average physician doesn't even know what a sacral shear is. The average chiropractor doesn't know what a sacral shear is. Only an osteopathic physician who does osteopathic manipulative therapy find a DO who's a real DO. They can make the diagnosis, and in 30 seconds, you can correct it. And 99% of the time when I correct it here in my office, it, it lasts, but I show them an exercise to do to keep it there. It, it's a phenomenal, quickie, easy thing. So I do wish that there were more real DOs still in the world because they are great for that kind of thing. Okay. And, oh, I do know, um, what role do you feel that things like forgiveness and gratitude play in, in individual and group healing? Because we're Absolutely. going through a lot of stuff right now in the United States, in America, and I see in the news that there is a lot of emotion, a lot of anger yes. directed towards different groups, different individuals. What does forgiveness and gratitude have to do? Absolutely with critical. I 
believe you must forgive the blank, blank, blanks in your life. And I say, turn it over to, into the hands of God. It is not my place to judge. I need that, that I need God to do that for me. But I release them into the hands of God. I've got one of my guided imagery exercises, one of my biogenesis exercises called forgiveness and blessing. Dr. Shealy, for those who, uh, those of our listeners who are listening to you today or on a day other than, um, than we are uh, talking now, where can they find more about you and your work? How can they uh, locate you, your clinic, and uh, say, for example, your books and that sort of thing? They can go to normshealy.com. If they just put normshealy.com, that will put them into our whole clinic thing, which is realholisticdoc.com. Realholisticdoc.com? Yes. And if they want to find your books, can they find them on there? They will find them. Yes, they will find my books and uh, all my, well, any, any information they want. Norm, thank you so much. I, I just uh, I could talk with you for an extra hour. That's all we have for today, though. And um, you all have been listening to Dr. Norm Shealy talk about holistic medicine. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come back in the future, if you would, and talk with us more about your work. And uh, I, I hope that's a yes. That is definitely a yes. I like to talk. <laughs> okay. And uh, Again, you've been listening to American Dream Time. This is a Robert Barham show. We will see you all and hear you all again soon. Take care. Blessings. Thank you.